My friends, a rather controversial topic uh, with regard to the role of the church in the modern world is the role of the church uh, in preaching about morality, about right and wrong, about what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. Many people would say that the church is nice for giving us uh, beautiful teachings about Jesus and all of that, but when it comes to morality, that's my role, that's my decision, and that the church needs to stay out of that. Uh, But what we see in the Gospels, uh, and actually in all of the scriptures, is that morality, how we are to live, is really tied to the God that we proclaim, because the way that we live is the path that leads us back to God. And so the church, knowing the end goal, knowing the destination, rightly preaches about morality. For example, if someone wanted to go to Waterbury, I know how to get there. I know the end goal. I'm from Waterbury. And so I could say, well, here's how you should get there. Here's the goal. If you say, no, I'm just going to get on whatever road I get on, and I'm just going to follow that as long as I want, and then I'll get off whenever I want, turn wherever I want, you're probably not going to end up in Waterbury. Uh, And so the church, knowing the goal, preaches about the way to get there. That's the role of the church in preaching morality. And when we preach about morality in a real way, it's important to call a spade a spade. We see in the Gospels that when something is wrong, it needs to be identified as wrong, that that's part of the teaching of the church, that there are certain actions that are wrong And they need to be called out and identified as that. Peter stands up on Pentecost Sunday, we hear in the first reading. And he says, this Jesus you put to death, hanging him on a tree, turning him over to Pilate. And you asked for a murderer to be released in his place. Peter's not afraid to say that, that you did this. You, the crowd, did this. Now think, though, this is Peter. This is Peter who wasn't even there in the crowd because he had already run away having denied the Lord three times. But he's not afraid to say, you did this. You did this. However, that proclamation of this is wrong, this is the story, is always followed with, therefore, repent and receive the mercy of God. Repent and receive the mercy of God. I think one of the reasons why the church has such a bad rap in speaking about morality is because people have only ever heard the no. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do any of them and you're going to go right to hell. That's not Christian preaching. That is just saying no, no, no. What the gospel gives us is saying very clearly there is right and wrong. If we sin, though, God gives us mercy. Because the reality is we all sin. Every single one of us, we're sinners. It's probably one of the only things we have in common. That we all sin. Every single one of us. But God gives us mercy. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Okay? The good news is not the bad news. The good news is not this is a sin and that's a sin. The gospel, literally good news, is God gives us mercy. God himself frees us from sin. So repent. So we need to repent. We need to change our ways. We need to receive freely the mercy of God and we need to change the way that we live. God himself intercedes for us. Look at what St. John said in that first letter. I'm writing this so that you don't sin. That's the goal. Don't sin is a goal. It's a good goal. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one. How many of us have been in a situation where we've really kind of offended someone? We've really hurt someone's feelings. We really messed up. And so what do I do? I don't call the person right away. I get a mutual friend to say, like, can you please tell them I'm sorry? Things are still really tense between me and this person. And so a mutual friend, can you tell them I'm sorry? Can you tell, you know, I want, I really messed up. I want to apologize. You know, tell them I'm sorry, please. Tell them I didn't mean it. We try to have a friend on our side for that. When it comes to our sins, which are offensive to the Father, Jesus Christ is our advocate. He's the friend. He's our friend who can go to the Father and speak on our behalf. He's our friend who can bring reconciliation back to us from the Father. Christ is our friend, our advocate. And so again, whenever we're speaking about sinning, that we never just leave it there. No. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Have we done anything wrong? Go to Jesus. Tell him. Tell him. And he, as the advocate, he, as the advocate, speaks on our behalf to the Father. He intercedes for us to the Father. Now, that's good news. That's really good news. That whenever I'm feeling guilty about something, just tell Jesus. He'll fix it. He'll take care of it. If I've offended God, he's going to fix that. He's going to take care of that. Here's another point that Jesus doesn't wait for people to be perfect before offering them peace, before appearing to them. It's not like we who are here at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning are the winners. We're the winners. We're the already perfect. And other people who are imperfect, when they get perfect, they can come and join us. No. Jesus appears on Easter Sunday, which is what we read in the gospel, to the 11 and to those others who are with them. Now again, these are the people who abandoned him. These are the ones who weren't at the cross. These are the ones, the two on the road to Emmaus, walking the wrong direction, that he has to go and turn around to get back there. And he stands in their midst and he says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus takes the initiative in forgiving us. No matter what we've done that's wrong, Jesus takes the initiative in forgiving us. Peace be with you. And then here's a startling detail to me, um, being born and raised in New England. He says, touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. Okay, they're getting up close. I have comfort zones, all right? I'm from New England. Don't touch me. Uh, Absolutely don't touch me. I'm a New Englander. But Jesus lets them get up close. He lets them get up close. And again, these are the people who have abandoned him. He says, touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. See my hands and my feet. See the wounds. See them. We're not going to deny that it happened. See those wounds. Touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. As we, in a special way, are reaching out uh, to a new generation, as we are reaching out uh, to students at Central and other young adults throughout the area, it's so important that we have this in mind, that Christ takes the initiative and that he's willing to be up close and personal in this way. Uh, And that as people are coming more and more into our church, if they're not perfect, great. Well, I'm not perfect. I don't think any of us here already are perfect. Um, And so if people are coming in and they're still on that road to perfection, they're still just taking those first steps in conversion, we got to recognize that part of following Jesus Christ and imitating him is saying, great, praise God you're here. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Praise God you're here. And then even as it gets uncomfortable, even as, again, we're going to be squished and there's people in our pews and maybe they don't know what's going on, that's fine. 
Jesus is saying, reach out and touch me. Be here. Be close. Be personal. You don't have to be perfect to be that. You don't have to be perfect to be in this relationship. The flip side of this, though, is that the church never becomes a vehicle or a place where we're just affirming the wrongdoing, where we're just affirming like, yeah, well, whatever you're doing, that's fine, that's good. The call to mercy always has with it a call to repentance, to change. It's okay, change. You can let this go. You can let whatever sin it is, you can let it go. If I had um, a nutritionist who says, yeah, Father Casey, whatever you want to eat, as long as you're happy. Like, that's a pretty bad nutritionist. Uh, if, I had, if I went to a gym and they're like, yeah, whatever you want to do physically for exercise, as long as you're happy. Like, no, I need to do a little bit of exercise. I need to eat healthy. I need someone who's going to call me along the way. Or another example, uh, one of my best friends is from Australia, and so I love Australian football. But the team that I root for is 0-4, and, and it's been four really bad losses. And if the coach were to say, well, whatever, they're just playing football, it's all okay, then the coach should be fired. Rather, he says, we've made some mistakes, and we're going to keep working on them. We're probably not going to win any championships this year, but we're going to keep working on the mistakes. We're going to keep on working on them, little at a time. Each game, we're just going to try to do a little bit better. That's how the church preaches morality. We've made mistakes. We may not win any championships today. But each day, we're just going to do a little bit better. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's not be afraid to say that. But each day, let's just try to do a little better. A little bit better. And that when we've messed up, when we've sinned, we have our friend Jesus, an advocate with the Father, who offers us mercy, who offers us peace.